Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Welcome to Sport Faith Life. We are continuing on in our series on the fruits of the Spirit and the seven deadly sins in sport. This has been a really interesting, at least for us, for the two of us, it's been a really interesting mini-series here to really dig into um, particular moral values and vices related to sport. And these are things that we think about so so regular, at least come to, come to front of mind very easily. A lot of these do. And yet connected to sport, maybe not so much. So for today, we're moving along. We're getting near the end here, actually. And, and we've saved some of the best ones for last. And that's kind of what's exciting about all this as well. Today is a really good vice. And I, I don't mean like a positive <laughs> vice. I mean, it's a, it's a no, no pun intended. Sure. This is a vice that is so prevalent and prominent. And it's just one that people kind of intuitively understand. And I think it's also super prevalent in the world of sports. So we should have plenty to talk about here. The vice or the deadly sin we're talking about today is greed. It's greed. And it's interesting that we're talking about this during a special season in the Christian calendar in which the focus ought to be on one thing, but often is on a different thing that I think relates to greed. I don't know how much time we'll spend on that, but greed and sport definitely seems to be a problem. It seems to be rampant. I can remember some of my earliest moments as a coach coming out of college and hearing and thinking that to be a good coach, I need to be greedy. I need to want it all. I need mm. to I need to need more players than I need, better players than I actually need. Because if I don't have something, someone else is going to have that. Or if I don't have these resources, another team or program is going to have that, that I need everything. That way I can display all of that to, you know, the student athletes I'm trying to recruit, the people that I'm trying to impress with my program. I needed it all. And I think there's something, there's there's some element of truth to that, that a lot of the really best coaches are are greedy. And maybe there's a better way of characterizing what they actually are. But it certainly seems like there's there's an element of want there uh, that or, or never being satisfied, always wanting more. And I'm not sure if that's exactly greed, but it, it gets us down that line. Coach Brian Bolt and Doctor and Dean Brian Bolt, but but Coach Brian Bolt specifically, what's your experiences with greed in sport? Yeah, I like the way you started there. I mean, that's when I thought, how do I? think about greed in the context of sport, my mind immediately went where yours did, which was to start thinking about the desire and want, particularly of a coach, to be honest, because athletes in some, in some ways, um, don't have the same level of buy-in that a coach does, right? The Mm -hmm. coach identifies long-term with a brand, with Mm -hmm. a team, Athletes come and go, right? They uh, have a short period of time. If it's in a school context, high school, 
it's a couple of years maybe with a particular team. If it's a college, it's supposed to be four, sometimes five years. And uh, professionally, you know, you're you're at now a vocation level and you're thinking about greed maybe in a different way because you're thinking about money. Um, and I think both of those can be true, but I want to start, just go back to more the more simple understanding of greed, which would be money. Uh, I think sport is full of this as well, and we wouldn't want to get through this and start getting into the depth of what a coach desires without just first recognizing that the Bible talks a lot about wealth. The Bible talks a lot about uh, the concern that you should have around acquiring money. Uh, there are way more verses about uh, misuse or foolishness or sin with regard to money than sexual immorality, for instance. And there's this general uh, warning. If you're rich, uh, camel through the eye of a needle, right? Um it's very difficult. And the rich young ruler obviously got through all of those commandments. But in the end, you know, I, I'm, I have this concern uh, that, you know, in some ways we'll separate that too quickly. I think in sport, we can talk about uh, money um, with regard to greed. Uh, we talk about, we do it all the time, right? We're always flabbergasted by the next big contract, right? We're just amazed what Shohei Otani will receive in a in the next biggest contract major league baseball contract um, worldwide uh, the soccer or uh, football uh, contracts are amazing for athletes but uh, it's not just athletes it's owners we talk about how rich can you be how much money do you need we always ask right uh, and it's so easy for us to throw targets at people above us you know it's always easy to compare up. And yet, there's greed in every heart. And there's greed in circumstances where there isn't wealth. So you can be poor. You cannot have the ability to act on your greed, but we can be greedy. We can have an inordinate desire for something, an excessive desire. And so often in the Christian life, it's something that uh, seems or maybe even is a good thing to uh, be ambitious in a certain way. To uh, we, we also hear parables about, you know, hey, don't bury your talent in the ground, turn it into something. But at the same time, we have this uh, sort of natural desire to acquire. And with that acquisition comes more self-dependence. And so how do we separate what would be uh, a good ambition to do with what your talents uh, is a good thing and that and may lead to, to uh, monetary gain? And how do we separate that from a disordered desire? And that's kind of my big question. So I, I think, too, that there's opportunities to see this from just a pure money perspective, like just acquiring hoarding. You know, a greed is sort of like holding on to something and feeling very good about it. And plus, we often love to keep things that we earn, right? We, we earned it. It's ours. And then that whole area that you talked about, which is, I think sport is an attempt to acquire all the time, right? What you're doing in sport is you're attempting to get something. 
something maybe just out of your grasp or something that might be within reach, but it's periodic. And is that a good desire? I'm not quite sure I would call that greed. If you look at a dynasty, for instance, a team that wins year after year after year, is that greedy? Uh, those are tough questions. So I'll, I'll pause there. Those are uh, two different ways I've thought about greed to this point. Uh, maybe I could ask you to just reflect on the on the money aspect of greed, uh, and then we'll come back. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. We'll we'll start with the money piece, and you know where else where else are we seeing the, these exorbitant amounts of money being given to individuals or? Um, you know, earned by by groups than in sport, right? And thinking about the ways in which ticket prices to professional sporting events, college sporting events have have gone way up um, over the past generation for sure. But, but over the past number of generations, right? That's just been an uptick that's that's increased beyond inflation levels. And so we're seeing a lot of money exchange hands because there's such an appetite to consume sport. And so, you know, instead of paying, you know, eight to 10 bucks for a ticket to get into an event, it's, it's 80 to a hundred bucks and uh, at the, at the very least. And so there's a lot of money. Where's that money going? Does that mean that, that all of our owners are necessarily greedy because they're getting a ton of money? Well, they're certainly savvy business people and there's a lot of money going there. Athletes are making a lot of money. We have enabled that, that structure, that process because of the ways in which so many people consume sports in such great amounts. There's a ton of money that exchanges hands. Um, There is a college football coach in the United States who was just fired and has a buyout that basically pays him $26,000 a day Hmm. over the course of the next, you know, eight years. It's a $76 million buyout. So this coach is getting paid $76 million to not To not work. Yeah. To not work. I mean, this is this is crazy. Obviously, the coach's original salary was was incredibly high as well, and so we we pay people a lot. People are getting paid a lot of money when they win in high stakes sports, and that's because we believe that that's the that's the their worth, that's their value because of how much stake we put in in sports. And so there's something there. I, I agree with you. I don't know if we would call that necessarily. Greed, but I think when we do see transients within the world of sport because of the opportunity to make more money, there's there's possibly something that we can criticize within that. Even though I'm not sure it would be wholly, uh, it, we would wholly be able to, to criticize those movements because you know it's not simply in the world of sport that people move around jobs to make more money. Um, but there's something about you know the sport industry where. Uh, $1 that goes to one player is theoretically a dollar that another player doesn't make. And so it's something about me or not me that would lead to having um, an, an inordinate desire for for something that would be in the realm of greed. You know, certainly as ticket prices go up, it's not extortion, but it is a way in which data is driving decisions for the owners of these professional sports teams and the schools, universities for college sports teams that says you can make more money and then they're saying, okay, then I'm going to do that as opposed to having other principles or values that are driving the decisions on how much money is being is being asked for tickets and for concessions and for merchandise and all that sort of thing. So there's something that's there and something that's, that's cutthroat and maybe it's just capitalistic that I would say oftentimes leads to greed 
And we're talking about a sport industry that has so much money at stake where there's so much money changing hands. I would say that increases our, it attracts us towards the money-making venture, which would, I think, lead us down a slope towards greed. Yeah, and I think um, those are the big, the grand levels of greed. And and you connected it to society. Obviously, uh, the Christmas season uh, is one, you know, Christmas is built on greed in, in yeah. some ways, right? So the the economy built around a time of the year that everyone uh, tries to uh, really acquire, right? Um, acquire a give, right? Uh, and many Christians participate in gift giving. Uh, I would say most, for sure, participate in gift giving as part of it. Doesn't make those things bad or, or greed uh, necessarily being a part of that. But the entire industry is sort of built on this idea of greed. There was a famous uh, film, we're old enough to know it, it's, it was a long time ago, called Wall Street. And there was a, uh, a character named Gordon Gecko, and he, he sort of uh, famously announced greed is good. In other words, the capitalist society is built on greed, and we just need to engage that. But I think, too, as a coach at the collegiate level, uh, I started 20 years ago, and just the interest in acquiring goods around sport has uh, skyrocketed. So among my players, I'm, I'm wearing right now you know, gear that was not a part of my program at the beginning, but now it's become sort of common for players to acquire, acquire things, more things to try to outdo, even outdo other schools. They, they take a look at what other schools are doing in terms of just uh, branded stuff, more stuff. Uh, and so I think the, the landscape of sport is wide open to this invasion of greed, uh, comparison. We've talked about envy before, but comparison and, and acquiring and greed. You know, we'll talk about people like, hey, I, I have 20 tw- putters in my basement, right? And some people would, will say something like, I don't. But some people will say they acquire putters, right? That's their, because that's their desire. And you only need one. Uh, but you might, uh, you might dabble around, right? And these are three $400 items, uh, and it becomes a collector's item. Well, sport is built around that. Collector's items, memorabilia, all these sorts of things that um, are clutter, Right, they are things that um, fill our minds with uh, things not of the kingdom, uh, and it's just interesting how sport is such a rich place for greed to grow. And I think it, it, it's good for us to remind ourselves of that um, all the time. You mentioned acquisition. I feel like that's a, a central part of all this too. Is sport is built around at least competitive sport is built around you know acquiring something. And then having another opportunity to acquire and then another opportunity to acquire. There is an endless amount of opportunities to acquire something. Um, And it might not be something tangible. I guess I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of things that like a victory, right? Or a a championship. It's always, there's always another opportunity. And even if you win one, uh, you know, in fact, I think sometimes that probably uh, one makes you want to win another one even more. So I, I think Steph Curry has talked about that in terms of NBA championships, like, you know, winning one is great, but now it just, it, it just fuels my interest 
in winning another one, right? That it's, it's actually enticed me more to win another one. And so sport is built on that, on acquiring something. And if you have that thing, if you have acquired that thing, that means somebody else or many others do not have that thing. I'm thinking of a, a title or a championship or a cup or whatever else. So, so for, for me to have that thing means others don't have it. And I want that. And I want more of that. And that in and of itself isn't greed, but that seems to be, you know, the sole focus of what we're trying to do in the world of sport. And that really consumes all of us in the world of sport. I, I, I oftentimes joke around when, when I coached, it, it was, uh, it was one sixth of my role here in my full-time job at this institution. And I would tell people that, and, and the response yeah, invariably was, well, coaching is never one sixth of anything. If you're a coach, <laughs> that sort of consumes your time because you want to acquire. You're always in, in search of the next thing, right? You're only as good as your last victory. And so that's what we're always after. So sport is set up to encourage us to, to want something that someone else can't have, to want these scarce resources. Now, when you mentioned gear, Brian, that, that's certainly not a scarce resource. That's something that anyone can have if you have the means to purchase that. Um, but everybody wants that because the other teams have it. And there's always something about, oh, that team or that athlete has this thing. I want that thing too because it allows me to, to either to help my game to be at that person's level or allows me to think that I'm on that level or beyond that level. And that's what I want. And that all is in 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 an effort to acquire and to win, to get to the next championship, to prove again, to prove again, to prove again that I'm better than or that I'm good at. Yeah, that's amazing when you think about the short life of a victory. Hmm. You know, you you described two different things there. You know, gear would be things that everybody can have and winning is pretty exclusive, right? It's uh, people call it zero sum. It's not exactly zero sum just because there's always a next time. And you and I have looked at uh, and studied competition enough to know I'm not going to draw a direct line between winning and greed, right? I, I don't think the act of open competition is equal to greed, but it's kind of greed's cousin. In some ways, it uh, is that dissatisfaction with where you are. Think about athletes, coaches, uh, after a victory. What is often said? It's usually, you know, we're going to take a day or we're going we're gonna to enjoy this tonight. And that's it, right? Yeah, we're going to yeah. get right back out there. <laughs> we're we're going to enjoy this for the next couple of minutes. And then we're going to focus on the next week, the next game, the next time. Uh, so the uh, acquisition is built into the DNA. And uh, being a coach who's won championships, our teams have won championships. The first one, you know, you're like, wow, we did it. But is it real? So I think there's, there's a sense, there's an insecurity about sport where you're constantly striving to validate what was previously done. And that, that I think that's sinful. I think that sort of insecurity, now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't strive the next time because that's sport. You try to figure it out. You try to solve the problem of winning a championship time after time after time. That's sport. That's the uh, attaining of excellence. But my own insecurity about needing validation, my desire to acquire more that will somehow prove that I know what I'm doing. Uh, it's just weakness. 
right? I think that that's just sin uh, and it's listening to the deceiver. Uh, so those are, I, I think there are a lot of things that sort of open doors that get us to listen to voices that are uh, that are not the voice of Jesus as he wants us to order our our minds in ways that uh, that follow him in full in full dependence. And I think uh, greed can be uh, one of many things that creep in in sport uh, or in this case just maybe a uh, a desire for validation, which is a, a slightly different thing. So I, I wonder, Chad, if we know that it's out there, uh, do you have any suggestions? How do we in sport start thinking about ways to combat this uh, concern around greed? Well, I, I think there's a couple of things I want to say here. The, the first is that we can focus on, you know, less on on competitive outcomes and more on test-based outcomes or more on sort of individual performance outcomes. And and that might be one way of reframing this. I'm not sure this is actually the full antidote, but if we're looking at, you know, me wanting to, if I want to win the contest because I need to show that I'm better than somebody else, if that's my, if that's what I'm striving for to prove that I'm better than that probably leads to more vice than if I'm sort of focused on doing the best I can or helping my team to be the best that we can, being the best team, you know, whatever, whatever else, hoping that that might also lead to victory. But if, if my focus is on, you know, my, my performance and being the best that I can, I think there's something about that then that is maybe more intrinsically satisfying. And if I think if we're thinking about things as being intrinsically satisfying, it helps, um, uh, discourage our motivations from from working towards sort of a greediness right i guess i I think of a greediness as i want that thing uh, because i want to have that thing so if we think about things more intrinsically i actually i think that that's a a simple but actually a um, a useful uh, you know theoretical framework for us so that would be the first thing that i would say is, is thinking about you know what it is that we're actually after um but the second thing is that if it if we go after our own performance, we can also get super myopically focused on just that one thing in our lives, like the, the, you know, the search for the perfect golf swing or, you know, the search for the perfect jump shot or whatever else in the world of sport that can also be all consuming and can lead us to having inordinate desires for a particular thing. So I don't think that's a full antidote. That's why I said, you know, the original thought there was, was only a partial antidote. Because it helps us get down the road and gets us away from sort of tangible and comparison-based outcomes, greediness, wanting those things. And it helps us to understand what might be inwardly or uh, uh, um, autotelically valuable about the experience. But there's also that concern that if the focus is on, you know, find, you know perfection in a particular thing, a particular skill, for instance, or even if I'm focused on my own pursuit of a particular record, that could be something that that is the object of my greed as well. And so I don't think that's a perfect answer. And maybe you can help us along to get a little bit farther. No, I like those. Those are uh, great. I think your first one, when you talk about just our, our focus, uh, everyone will tell you too that um, 
it's actually counterproductive to think about the end result as much uh, as it is about the process. And so I think you're trying to get us to go back to what is the what is the process of growing in excellence that I can spend my energy on or put my focus on. The outcome may or may not come, to be honest, the win and the loss, because there are other people involved, right? It's not just you going to the store and purchasing something, which is very attainable. It's you and somebody else combating over something, and you just don't know exactly how those things will work out. And so because of that, focusing on that attainment can get us really distracted and maybe move us into a place where we're focusing on the wrong things. I think that that also goes to your second one, which is a bit of a narrowness in life, right? And we um, see this and people will talk about it. Uh, People will talk about it when they refer to other people. Maybe it's gossip, but they'll they'll say, you know, look at so-and-so, right? And they seem hyper-focused. I'm not really sure. There's this intuitive sense that we all know that when a person is out of balance, when a person has an inordinate desire, which is greed, an an inordinate um, uh, just striving after something that seems out of place and other things certainly suffer in that process. So I think along the sport line, those are really good. I I think I would add to just an intentional uh, simplicity, which, which is often kind of described as a, a Christian practice, the practice of simplicity. And I go back to this often as a coach. I mean, I said, guys, let's let's remember uh, why we're here. Uh, I I talk about this in the recruiting process. I mean, uh, how much do you really love the, to play the game of golf? Uh, in the end, there are a lot of trappings that might bring you to a point that you feel like you want to be a college athlete. Uh, but if those trappings are leading you, then ultimately it's going to be unsatisfying. You need to go back to why we're here. What? Are, why are we here? Uh, what make gives us uh, a reason to be in the same room? It's that we all love the game, in my case, the game of golf. And uh, that's the only thing that will hold us together. I often say, look around. You would not be naturally friends other than this one sort of thing that holds you together. And I think that's helpful to just keep coming back to, uh, in a simple way, what is it we're most about uh, uh, in this sport quest. and And keep trying to find joy in that and not in the peripheral sorts of things. The second thing I often like, if there's one word I, I probably overuse in coaching, it's gratitude. Uh, let's be thankful for this opportunity, this moment. Gratitude is a great uh, fix for complaining, for comparison. Um, I think those are things that are just natural in sports. So we try to come back to that. Those two are just sort of uh, mind benders, you know, things you're trying to fix in your mind. And it's really hard to do. So I think just doing something concrete, like just tithing away some of your time. So it might be better for our team to practice every day, but giving time away, I think is important, but also giving time to other things and potentially giving uh, outside. You wouldn't be able to spend as much time preparing but I do think it's worthwhile feeling as a, as a group or as an athlete or as a coach that uh, some service, some action for another team or for another group, some ability to get away from the game kind of reminds us that, um, you know, this isn't all ours. And 
it's that sort of dependence and hoarding ownership that leads to bad decisions. And so I, I think sort of tithing away time constantly, um, time is what we have to give in some ways more than, than other things, but tithing away time and setting it aside and saying, okay, we're going to spend some time doing this uh, is a good correction when we think about the creeping in of greed. Yeah, I really like a couple of those things that you said, and that's really helpful to think about our two schools both operate under the same practice that we are going to tie the way Sundays to be days that are away from intercollegiate sport activities. No practices, no games on Sunday. Both our schools have followed this practice, you know, since they began intercollegiate sports 100 years ago. And it seems to be something that helps us uh, coaches and student athletes, you know, uh, and so we can talk about the theological basis for that. We can also talk about, I think, sort of this um, this, this personalized value of, of having time uh, away. I, I also like how you talked about the centering process and thinking about why why we're here. I feel like in so many of the conversations that we've had here at Sport Faith Life, that's the focus is we need to check our hearts time and time again. We just lose sight of that. And that's what leads us into bad behavior, into sin, into immorality, into greed specifically for today. I'm thinking about having coached my son's sixth grade soccer team this past fall. And we started every practice by me, the coach saying, guys, here's the goal. I know, I know why you guys are here. You love soccer. So by the end of the practice, I'm hoping that you'll be sweating I'm hoping you'll be smiling and I'm hoping that your skills will have developed. So the three S's, and I think it helped to center them too. So by the end of practice, when, you know, the kids are complaining that they didn't get to play goalie or crying because they didn't score a goal or thought they should have, all of those things, we come back and we focus on the, the centering process of sweating, which means we were working hard, um, smiling, which means we had fun. And, you know, amidst the tears and complaints, right? There's easy <laughs> smiles that come from that. And then our skills developed and I can point to certain things that they did. And that sort of helps in that that centering process. And I think that gets at what you're saying about gratitude as well, that we're, we're reminded of why we're doing what we're doing and we're reminded there's something bigger going on here. I love that process of gratitude. I love at the end of the season, making sure that every Every athlete goes back and thanks the people that have supported them, whether it's just going to give mom and dad a hug or as I do in all my classes in the last day of class, we write thank you notes to someone that supported us. And it was really interesting for me just yesterday, having done this exercise in my class, um, having all the students write a thank you letter to somebody in their life that's supporting them while they're at college here to go from the beginning of class when a lot of students were complaining about this or about that, just to sort of see their hearts change in the midst of writing, in the midst of, of gratitude, in 10 minutes going from complaints about, about it was only other classes, they would never complain about my class, of course not. Well, certainly not to me, but to go from complaining about other classes to then just sort of sitting in, in, in peace after having written you know, a letter of thanks, it's just amazing how that can change our hearts really quickly. What a great practice. We're whole creatures, you know, we are, we are mind, body, spirit. Uh, all in one. And some of those actions, uh, like writing a letter at the end of a class period, can really just change our posture, our minds, and our spirits in a way that, um, you know, just trying to strive towards something wouldn't do. And so 
that living out of uh, these sorts of things in a sport context are good reminders for all of us. Gordon Gecko was wrong. Uh, greed is not good. Uh, and we're going to do what we can in sport to work against it. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life. Mm-hmm.